listening to The Private Citizen. Defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 102 for Wednesday, the 22nd of December, 2021. The Cyberbunker Verdict. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Fab. I'm coming to you live from Düsseldorf. This is... um. I'm, I'm live streaming this on Twitch as I record it. This is going to be the last um, live recorded episode of the year. There's going to be another one soon that I'm just going to record and then put out. Um, probably in the following week, uh, we will see. Uh, my schedule has, have, has changed, obviously. We're going to talk about, a little bit about that in a second and why that happened. Um, yeah, uh, nice to have you along. Um, yeah, I'm happy that you're listening. Um, today, this is going to be a regular episode, pretty much, we're going to talk about, and it's on a Wednesday, although that's pretty much by chance. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about the Cyberbunker verdict. Uh, I promised to do that, um, you know, obviously last year when the when the suits, the, the, the lawsuit started. Um, I told you I'll keep you up to date on it. So, you know, since there's a verdict now, that's kind of part of it. Um, you know, there wasn't actually that much interesting in the in between so that's why i didn't do another episode i didn't drop the ball on it or anything it was basically um pretty much just details you know everything was pretty much clear from the first session of the court that i had been at and um that i um you know reported on in that episode um that was episode 43 by the way that was um what was this uh on the 20th of october uh, last year yeah and so now we have a verdict actually we had a verdict this this uh this last week um i think it's been i've I've had so much to do i don't even know what what time it is um yeah pretty much uh last week monday um and uh yeah i'm, I'm now uh, catching up to it obviously i had the episode with mike um before that and then it just took me some time to get this this going so we're going to talk about that today um and with that i'm pretty much into housekeeping already so we'll have this episode and then there'll be a um a year end you know wrap-up episode um that i've the, the start kind of started this tradition last year we we'll do this this year as well that's going to be 103 and then it's going to be it for this year um i'm probably going to release that next week so I was originally had planned to be done by now and, you know, have a bit of a break between Christmas and New Year's, um, but I won't be able to. And, um, well, I'm gonna, I still have some Laphroaic left, so I'm going to have some of that. I recommend you settle in with your with a drink, you know, if you don't drink alcohol, a nice tea maybe, or some coffee, depending on what time of the day it is for you as well. And if you're driving, obviously, I don't know, uh, whatever you can do, settle back anyway, relax a little bit. So, um, yeah, my plans uh, completely went went to shit, so to speak, um, because I got on Friday, so this is, uh, you know, we have Wednesday now, uh, last Friday I got my, um, my third dose of the vaccine for SARS-CoV-2, as they like to call it, the jab. I got the third jab, the booster, um, which uh, turned out to be, in my case, um, BioNTech again. So the first dose I got was um, 
AstraZeneca, um, and then I got uh, BioNTech, and now they gave me uh, BioNTech again. And uh, I had, you know, I I'd kind of worked this out so it's, it was on a Friday so that I could, because I knew I was going to react to it pretty heavily. I did this before, um, and I, I knew this was going to happen again, so I, I wanted to minimize the time. I was, you know, that time lost, and uh, that was well. But uh, I pretty much so the first, it's the first time I, um, I, the first vaccine knocked me out for four days. Uh, the the second time was a little bit better. That was three days. I now, um, I pretty much lost five days this time around, which means um, I've now lost twelve days of productivity to this fucking vaccine. <laughs> you know. Um, and as I'm basically getting vaccinated, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm in in, in any risk. I would probably have stopped. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't have gotten this vaccine if it was up to me. But alas, it isn't. You know, it's kind of like um, heavy, heavy, heavy societal pressure. And I like to travel. And I like to go to events. So I, you know, and I'm a journalist. I, it's kind of in my job to go to places. Um, so I kind of, you know, bit the bullet. Um, but you know, I would like to. It would be nice if the German government would uh, would uh, <laughs> I don't know give me money now because I, I like many people. I'm not an I'm not an employee, so I'm not getting paid while I'm lying in bed feeling horrible, which is shit. As a as a, as a freelancer, self employed person, you're just basically fucked. Yeah. And I, you know, I was doing this over the weekend because I was like, uh, you know, to, wanted to minimize the time lost. But I've actually, I have so much work that I would have actually worked through the weekend. And now everything's, you know, I'm massively behind. I'm behind with these podcast episodes and with everything. So I'm going to have to work through the, you know, um, between Christmas and, and New Year's pretty much. But yeah, um, I had the pretty much the same. So this, the, the, the second time around, I didn't get that didn't get all side effects i didn't vomit and uh uh the headaches were okay uh, but i i pretty much got the same um situation going than i had the first uh, time i got it so you know i got the vaccine about an hour later i started feeling really woozy um actually uh was was at the at the bakery i wanted to get some some bread as well and then i, I was like oh god i gotta gotta have to go home really quickly otherwise i'm gonna throw up in the bakery and i went home and i basically made it home and i uh, just made it to the toilet and when we you know started vomit vomiting my breakfast um but it was like the first time it was like one one vomit attack and then that was gone uh, and then i had dizziness and i you know i had all the other stuff i had like um fever um i was feeling hot i was feeling cold i was feeling hot and cold at the same time um headaches um ba ba then i got i got migraines i got light uh, sensitivity um yeah, I general dizziness, uh, bone ache, muscle ache, uh, systemically, so in a whole body, but also just in the arm. Um, so that arm pretty much hurt for three days, but many people report that. That seems to be relatively normal. Uh, but, you know, I got the weird rashes again, uh, starting on the arm and then going across my body down towards my genitals. <laughs> Um, yeah, so pretty much all the symptoms again. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, I mean, it has to be the. I mean, it can't be like the 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 dose, like the specific dose. It can't. I don't think it's the. Since I now had the exact same reaction with AstraZeneca and 
BioNTech. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's just it, it has to be the spike protein. I'm, I'm you know I've got hay fever, so I'm a, yeah I have a little bit of a history of being allergic, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm allergic to it. Like one hour after getting the shot, like my body going you know, and I never vomit. Like I have to say, I've never been. Um, the only time I've ever vomited when I was sick was when I had a uh, I once had salmonella infection. Um, that was really bad. Uh, but otherwise, I generally never get throw up. Um, also, I have to say, um, aside from that salmonella infection and the one time I got the flu, like actually influenza, I've never been this sick. Like I've never, I've never actually had a virus, anything that made me this sick. Now, which like this consistently makes me. <laughs> I mean, it's all first world problems, right? If you have Genny's listening to this, he's like, "Geez, man, I ended up in a coma. Shut the fuck up, man." But like, it's like it's it's bad enough that like if I had the choice, I wouldn't actually get because you know I'm not a, you know, I'm 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 38. I've, I've I don't have any uh, any health issues as far as I can tell. I've never spent a single day in a hospital. Um, I'm actually fitter than I ever was in my life right now. Um, we're doing a lot of exercise and shit, um, so I, I think I would skip it now. But every, every it seems to be we have to get it every six months now. So um, I uh, I'm planning on being out four days every six months now. I don't think this will let up, you know, at all. There is some some hope that you know the, they're developing in a, another vaccine, which is going to be more of a regular vaccine. Um, and there's people have said, you know, maybe you're not allergic to that so much when it comes out. I'll certainly try it. But, I, you know, if it's a spike protein, that thing has to make that vaccine also has to make the spike protein. I'm guessing otherwise it won't be it won't work. So it's probably not going to help. Um, I don't know. I just want the German government to pay me uh, now. <laughs> For the days that I, anyway, uh, I'm going to stop complaining now, just so you know. Uh, why this is all late? I'm, I'm massively behind. I, I lost four days. I just, I literally, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't work. Like I was, um, I was, the headache was really bad. Like the first, okay, the first, the, the day of the vaccination, that was like out. The second day, I was, um, uh, I was, you know, I, I had light sensitivity so bad that I actually couldn't look at a at a screen. Um, I was reading the whole day. Actually, uh, one upside to this whole thing, I finished the Expanse novel series. Uh, I, I read the last book pretty much during the vaccination sickness. <laughs> um, that, that was kind of good. Um, it, I can recommend it. I, this, um, the, I, like, I like the way the series ended. It makes sense for the whole series. And I'm actually glad it's done now. I think it's run its course. Um, and yeah, I can't say I actually really enjoyed the ending, of course, but you know, that's uh, par for the course. But uh, Miller turns up again, and that's pretty cool. So uh, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so uh, I did, uh, I, I couldn't like, and then later, I was actually, I, I, so those, like Friday to Saturday, Friday to Saturday, Saturday to Sunday, Sunday to Monday, Monday to Tuesday, so four nights. Four nights in a row, I slept 12 hours or more in the night. And then through all those days, I slept in the day as well. I never take naps in the day. And I was tired. I was still tired and sleepy. I had like bags. Like my wife was like, what the fuck's going on? I had like bags and, and shadows under my eyes. I looked like I hadn't slept. And I was like sleeping 12 hours. It's like this. 
this thing just my body just does, does not like this thing at all apparently um but anyway so uh, that's that's the <laughs> that's fab's vaccination story of course what i want to tell you i you know that doesn't mean you shouldn't like that it's i mean if it's sensible for you medically to get vaccinated get the fuck vac- vaccinated uh, if you want to it's you know i'm a believer in choice i'm a believer i'm giving people choice I, but i this is not a uh, a recommendation against getting vaccinated um because i mean this is an allergic reaction and it's 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 pretty rare i actually looked up um i mean to get in some of these symptoms that i've gotten is not that rare like it's it's like it's it's like one in a in a in, in five hundred or something um, to get one or two of these symptoms. To get all of them is must be pretty fucking rare, as, as, as at least from what I've read in the documentation uh, for these vaccines. Uh, maybe maybe I maybe I should uh, maybe they should do a study on me for allergic reaction against this shit. Um, I wonder if that means that if I get the actual virus, which has the same spike protein, my body's probably gonna kill it pretty quickly i hope because it's i mean it's gotta freak out anyway um it, it, it freaks out I, i'm reacting to it as i think that's positive <laughs> anyway so uh you know don't don't make please don't make your vaccination choices um dependent on me that is that would be against the whole spirit of this whole show right this whole show is fighting for your right not only uh you know, to to have something to hide, but also to you know, get vaccinated or not. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't want to presume anything. So uh, please make your own decision. Um, anyway, that's that. Um, so uh, so you know what happened to me. Let's get into the main topic that you're probably here for. Let's talk about the cyberbunker verdict. which um, happened on Monday um, last week. And um, yeah, it's um, this is this is interesting all around. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go into I, I as usual private citizen.press if you go there uh, there's the show notes there's a link I wrote a blog post about it. Um, I wrote about this um, for Heiser in German but I also on my blog wrote in English version of this uh, this report because I reported there on the original um, you know when the trial started um, I actually couldn't be there this time I just didn't logistically I had too much other jobs that I had to do I just couldn't get to Trier in time otherwise I would have been there again um, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the verdict and then I'm gonna go through what that well first of all I'm gonna explain um what this means why this is an important case i talked about this last year but you know you might have not listened to the show might have forgotten or whatever so this is important this is important for german jurisprudence and you know the german it's an important precedent and i'm going to explain that first then i'm going to explain the verdict and then i'm going to go into it's not over right this uh, this this verdict is actually not um I actually don't know what that word is. I should have looked that up before the show. Uh, so in German, we have a word called rechtskräftig. So if you have a have a verdict, 
then is the question, is this um, enforceable? Final? Enforce? Legally binding, yeah. So this is not legally binding yet because it's, well, it, it will never be because it's already been appealed uh, by both sides, both the prosecution and the defense. So this means, uh, just spoilers, uh, this means this 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 will drag on, right? This will go to the next higher court and probably even to the constitutional court. That's what the defense is saying they would do. Um so uh, that just as a spoiler, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what, what we can expect going forward at the end. Um, but before we get into all of that, I thought I might explain very quickly uh, to bring you up to speed in case you don't know what, what this is uh, about. Um, so this whole story is very fascinating. So you should listen if you if you got the time you should, and you haven't listened to episode 43 last year. You should pause this. There's also a link in the show notes, of course. But if you go to privatecitizen.press and click to on episodes at the top, uh, you know there's an episode link. Uh, you can you can find episode 43 and you can listen to that. But in view of that, if you don't want to do that, very quickly I'll I'll bring you up to speed what this case is about. Um. This case is, is 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 very fascinating. It's about uh, several Dutch citizens, but se- generally one guy uh, who uh, owned a, an old bunker uh, in 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 Zeeland uh, in 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 the Netherlands um, and uh, built a data center in there. And for him, it was kind of like a, a civil rights kind of thing, freedom, you know, 90s hacker spirit kind of cyberpunk thing. Um, or, or that's what he maintains to this day. Anyway, he had this, he had this, um, it was called the cyber bunker, right? There was a, a secure a bulletproof holster uh, that couldn't be raided by the police, whatever. Um, in fact, the bunker was raided by the police, but kind of, uh, well, more by the fire brigade. Basically what happened is, um, this guy rented a part of the bunker to some people who had uh, uh, that that part of the bunker suddenly caught fire, a very 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 hot fire that could only be extinguished after I think two days. Um, actually, the the guy this guy who owned all this actually went to the hospital because they had to evacuate the data center. Turned out there was a meth lab there uh, or a drug lab uh, that I think it was meth that burned down. Uh, he maintained that he didn't know that he just uh, sublet this. Anyway, so and he, he was never prosecuted for that, but the whole uh, bunker was shut down, right? The whole uh, the, the data center as well. So they, they moved the service to uh, Amsterdam, actually. <laughs> it was still called Cyber Bunker, but it was just a normal um, you know, data center in Amsterdam. Um, now, he was never indicted for this in the Netherlands, but he lost his ability to run a company there for a while. Um, so now he was looking for a new bunker, and uh, there's an old uh, Bundeswehr bunker uh, in Traben-Trabach in the Rhineland Palatinate. It's uh, on the Moselle. It's a beautiful, it's wine country, hilly country. It's very nice, and there's a big bunker there. And um, he went and bought that. And uh, when he bought it, um, the mayor of the town originally was tipped off to this situation in the Netherlands, and the questions about you know the drug lab and that this might be illegal, whatever. Um, but uh, they couldn't, um, in the end, the mayor couldn't prevent this property from being sold. Basically, the Bundeswehr, the German army, wanted to sell this. They couldn't find anybody to buy this fucking bunker. They sold it for 750,000 euros. And that wasn't the only, the only thing, But because whoever bought it had to maintain it. Right? Um, so this guy builds a data center in there. 
Um, and you know, it was kind of, I, I guess he was being watched by the, by the officials, but he brought a lot of, um, well, he, he promised to bring jobs to the area. He didn't really do that, but not that much, but so they built up this bunker and, um, nothing really happened for a while. And then a, uh, a British, um, I think it's Irish, maybe uh, tabloid, like uh, a journalist there, uh, traveled, got a tip off that um, uh, in an Irish mobster called the Penguin, uh, who was into the drug trade, um, uh, was seen in Tram Trabach, and she traveled there, and she actually took photos of him, uh, the mobster, and together with like these guys from the bunker having dinner, um, which alerted the German police, and then the you know, the cat was out of the bag. Uh, they wanted to surveil this mobster who used, he had a bag of like 16 burner phones and he would just use all of them and only talk code and, you know, they survived everything. And, you know, there was the, the story that, that basically this mobster allegedly financed this bunker, right? And the, the guy who was running the bunker was actually developing crypto phones for him, apparently. I don't really know this. Uh, the German police is looking for the, for the penguin guy but they haven't caught him um so well they started surveilling the bunker and you know they had a uh, when they when they set up the data center they had a fiber connection put in a big industrial fiber connection um and they started tapping into that right and they got um you know they they tapped into the traffic and it turns out that you know there was like a few percent of the traffic was actually unencrypted and this is a few years ago it's, it's already is somewhat surprising to me but there was some unencrypted traffic and that was actually enough for them to get a warrant um to eventually search the bunker and you should really listen to episode 43 i go into this much deeper and it's a really fun story basically they got a um informant uh into the bunker crew who was working as a gardener and you know as a man who did odd jobs and he eventually uh, said he was going to quit his job because he had inherited money from I don't know, his family and he wanted to celebrate that and he invited the whole crew um, this was 2019 I think um, he invited the whole crew uh, to a restaurant in town in Tram Tabach and when they were in the restaurant uh, a huge a group of SWAT teams raided the bunker and the restaurant at the whole at the same time. Arrested the guys in the restaurant, raided the bunker, and actually got in there, got access to everything. And they got um, and this will be interesting today. Um, this is this was very interesting in the case. So they got um, the internal email system, which was largely unencrypted, like virtually unencrypted which is amazing so they got all the emails from the bunker crew within i mean they, this main guy was living there um some other people were living there and uh but also the the whole um communication with the clients now and then this case started right and um basically there were to get to today um there were two things the prosecution wanted to do there's two main um areas like crimes they basically uh, indicted these guys for one is a conspiracy uh like a illegal uh 
organization. It's kind of like RICO in the US, except it's not that big in Germany. It's like creating an illegal organization, basically. You know, now a, a crime, a organized crime, you know, being part of an organized crime organization. Basically, that was the one indictment. And the other one, uh, which is much more interesting, is um, they wanted to, oh God, I should have looked all these terms up. God, I don't know legal terms. I'm not a lawyer, by the way. Um, what's Beihilfe? Um, yeah, aiding and abetting, I think, or abetment. I think it's aiding and abetting. They're basically trying try to prove that these guys aided and abetted criminals. Um, and that's in the last episode I talked about, you know, so this was last year in November. They were starting the case and they were saying it's going to last till December of this year with like, I think, two court days a week. Massive trial, huge trial, uh, because basically what they need, what the prosecution needed to do is to prove that hundreds of crimes had been committed, right? Not by the defendants here, but by their clients, and then in proving those first, they could go and say, okay, now we established these are crimes, and now we're going to prove that they aided and abetted it, right? And that was the end goal. This is why this whole case took so long. Now, the big bummer for the prosecution in this case is that um, the judge, um, when the verdict came down, actually... Um, uh, did convict all of the defendants, all eight of the defendants, um, for for uh, forming a criminal organization. And you know they got between. Let me just. I can't obviously don't know this by hand. I'm going to read this from my story here. That's also links, linked in the show notes. Um, where do we have this? Um, do, 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 do. Um, so the main guy, Mr. X, uh, was sentenced to five years. X is actually his last name, his first initial. Um, was sentenced to five years and nine months in prison. Um, the prosecution had demanded seven years and six months. His eldest son, XO, faces four years and three months behind bars. Another five defendants were sentenced to prison terms of between three years and two years and four months. The, cause, the court sentenced the eighth accused to one year imprisonment, which was handed out as a suspended sentence. Except for this eighth defendant, who was still considered a juvenile offender at the time of the arrest warrant, the defendants all uh, had already been in pre-trial detention since September 2019. Except one guy who was actually let go in summer because he um, admitted some of the charges. Um, so interestingly, they all got between two years and, you know, the main guy, you know, five years and nine months. The guys with the two years and plus, I mean, they're all, I mean, if this, uh, if this was legally binding, right, this, uh, sentence. Most of them would be let go in a few months because they already be in, they were in pre-trial detention, which is going to be subtracted, right? Um, but uh, they actually, I don't know how this works actually because if this keeps going through the courts, I think they'll stay in jail, uh, even though you know this might take now two more years, three more years, whatever, since since maybe even five years, uh, depending on how far they go until there's a 
you know, legally binding verdict. And if they got like, if they end up with, if this holds and they end up with like two and some years or maybe three years, uh, they'll actually be, be longer in, in, in pre-child retention than it actually go to jail. Um, <laughs> so I think they'll, I think they stay in jail. I think the way it generally works because there's no verdict. They have to stay in jail. And then they get, if they get less afterwards, I think they get money, like a, like a lot of money for every like fucking month they're in prison that they weren't sentenced for in the end. Um, so this is going to be interesting in the, in, in the end. But um, don't take my word for it. I'm not a lawyer. So you're not know, a criminal defense lawyer. I don't know really uh, know how that works. I'd have to look that up actually uh, for a future episode. But um, so they all got sentences. But the interesting thing here is that all those sentences were for forming a criminal organization. And they were all acquitted of all charges of aiding and abetting oh i was gonna explain why this is uh i, I messed up my uh <laughs> the way i was gonna i was I, I i messed it up i explained to you how i was gonna do this and i didn't do it but anyway so um this is very interesting because um this case is so important um because in germany we have a thing called uh provider privilege right and this is generally what the U.S. calls safe harbor when it comes to, like, providers. So in Germany, all kinds of, like, telecommunication providers. And we're talking your ISP. Uh, we're talking your mobile provider, but also your hosting provider, right? Um, they have provider privilege, which, which means that they don't, they don't need to check on you, right? So if you... If you use their service to do something illegal, it's not their fault. And they don't need to check that. It's not their job, which I think is reasonable. That's the job of the police, right? And that ensures basic pri privacy. Because if that wasn't the case, they would have to check everybody. Like, they would have to listen into your phone calls. If Your ISP would have to, you know, do massive data retention, scan your traffic. Your hosting provider has to, would have to look through your website just in case you're do, doing something illegal. They'd have to check, right? So, so that, you know, because you don't want that, the law says until they get, it, like, for example, um, if, you, if you host a website, right? Let's say somebody, um, somebody, uh, there's a German hosting provider, let's say Hetzner, which is a big one, right? There's a big German hosting provider. Let's say um, somebody uh, rents service from Hetzner and puts up a Nazi website. That would be illegal in Germany, you know, if there's swastikas on it and that kind of, you know, the symbols that are actually, um, you know, uh, pro prohibited under criminal law, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd be uh, committing a criminal offense by doing that, right? Um now, Hetzner doesn't know what's on the servers, even though if they're not, you know, they don't have to be encrypted. It doesn't matter. They don't have to check. It's not their responsibility. But if somebody finds their website and goes, oh, there's a Nazi website. Where is that hosted? And goes, oh, this is a Hetzner server. And then writes an email to Hetzner and says, you know, there's like a Nazi website on one of your servers. One of your clients is hosting illegal content. Um, then Hetzner would have to do, they would have to investigate and have to look. Now, if if this was like encrypted stuff, right, which a website would be, right? But if you're talking like chats or something, right, on a telecommunications provider, they couldn't actually check and then they wouldn't have to. 
um, but they probably have to hand that, that on to the police and they have to hand that on to the police anyway but like they have to cooperate with the police right if the police goes oh this is clearly illegal you have to sh shut that down or and and or you have to give us the information of your client they'll have to do that but the provider privilege says until they have reasonable somebody told them that something illegal is going on they don't have to they don't have to check and they're not responsible they're only responsible if they don't act on on a report like this um and this is why the cyberbunker case is, is very very critical to german you know the german rule of law because this is the first time ever uh, in germany in in the history of german uh, legal proceedings that uh, the state, the prosecution, actually went after a hosting provider for something their clients hosted, right? They also, with the data they got from this raid, they also went after a lot of the clients. There are like hundreds of uh, lawsuits. Um, I think, what's the actual number? Uh, I can actually look this up. I have that in my story. There's seven, two, 227 follow-up cases right now. But most of them, or there were, but most of them have been closed because they actually couldn't find the clients, right? Because they're like anonymous or pseudonymous or they're not in Germany or whatever. Um, so those are separate. That's what you would usually do. You, you, like even if you busted this hosting provider in cases in the past, they would have busted the hosting provider. They would have gone after the clients. They would have not gone after the hosting provider. Now, the state prosecution in this case says they knew what they were doing. They were clearly advertising towards criminals. They were in league with criminals, right? They were basically sponsored by this mobster, which isn't part of the case because they can't prove that, but that was the assumption, right? So um, they're, they're criminals themselves, so we want to go after them. Um, while this is clearly understandable, if you're like the state prosecutor, right, basically the DA's office, this would be in the US, um, that's clearly understandable. It is a problem because if they went and if they actually were able, if this verdict would have been that they had had been able to prove that uh, the, the, the hoster aided and abetted, then this would call the provider privilege into question, right? If that would have been the verdict, then... You know, they, like you, you couldn't. Right now, there has been no verdict like that in Germany. So, as a provider, you can assume that you're safe. That you know, you have the provider privilege. It's been held up. You know, it's been held up in actual uh, legal practice. But if something like this happens and the legal practice practice turns, you'd have to ask yourself, what do we do now? Like, do we have to? Scan, right, and this is not only hosting providers. Some people don't understand this in the. Well, I don't think anybody understands this in the general press. My esteemed colleagues um, in the in the more mainstream media don't understand this because they think it's like hosting only, which is like a thing that only nerds care about, pretty much. I mean, who cares about hosting a website? Um, but what they don't understand is this: this, for example, pr applies to telecommunications providers. Right, and if you go okay, this is like we're talking mobile providers, right? How many criminals do you think Vodafone, for example, just to pick a big company that does this kind of thing? I'm ISP as well, my ISP, <laughs> still until I get it fixed, until I get to go back to telecom. Um, and you know, I, I mean, how many criminals do you think use 
you know, SIM cards from Vodafone or internet. Like, how many, there must be thousands of criminals in Germany, hundreds, tens of thousands, you know, probably. Um, and, uh, like, a substantial percentage of those, just because it's such a big company, will be using Vodafone. Like, Vodafone had to worry about, like, suddenly, like, all these crimes, you know, that they could actually be uh, on the hook for. And we're talking criminal, you know, we don't, we're not talking civil suits, we're talking people going to jail here um you know so the the i mean this is a small hosting company with like eight people right and and they're all on trial but like the main guy is on trial the ceo of this company cyberbunker whatever um so you'd be as a ceo of vodafone you'd be suddenly worrying about this right will i be on trial at some point because they'll go you knew you knew that this guy was 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 using your cell phones the, the terrorist was using vodafone sim cards to explode the bombs, uh, right? Um, so, so this this is why this is a very important case, um, and uh, this is why it's kind of, you know, I, I I would say fortuitous for all of us. Um, not only hosting provides because I mean I don't fucking care pretty much about Vodafone or whatever, but you know, the problem is this is also a huge implication of privacy, right? Because if if all of these providers suddenly now have to look at like uh what like you know you know we now actually have to look into all this kind of traffic we look we have to look at all the all the websites we're hosting um then then you know all of our stuff isn't isn't private anymore they 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 suddenly have to do data retention they have to, to look into to snoop into everything that's not encrypted um and probably do side channel attacks or whatever like you know the client side scanning on on everything that is encrypted uh, because they they're legally on the hook so this is this would be really bad um so i think for the general public it's actually fortuitous that this ended up um the verdict not going that way now uh, of course uh, actually the uh the defense said okay if if, if the, the 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 defense lawyer for the main defendant said if if they find my defendant guilty i'm going to appeal um, but before that happened, actually, the state appealed. The state appealed immediately. And I think they did appeal because they spent so much time trying to prove that these guys were aiding and abetting and they couldn't do it. And they, they want this aiding and abetting charge to go through, which would be very bad news. And that's going to be the interesting part about this, you know, the next court case we're going to have about this. Um, the, 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 and keep in mind, I'm no lawyer, but the the main th- I'm gonna try to explain why they couldn't prove the aiding and abetting. Um, the criminal organization was basically, I think, their plan B to get these guys convicted anyway. That is relatively easy to prove because um, what you have to do there is you have to prove two things: that these people made money and kind of knew they were making money from criminals and that they were an organization that were well organized and since this is a company you know and it was organized as a company um you know that that's that's easy to do and this whole thing hinges around so-called abuse emails you know i explained to you how you know if hetzner just picking a random company if hetzner hosts a website and somebody goes hey you are hosting illegal uh material there 
um, then they have to cooperate with the police. They have to report this to the police and they have to take it down and and cooperate with the police and give them the ID, uh, everything they know about their customer, right? Um, and if they don't do that, they have a problem. And that's actually what CyberBunker did. Um, in the internal emails, uh, there is a lot of... Um, uh, points where basically somebody wrote to them and said, look here, uh, there's, you know, you're hosting a spammer here or you're hosting a, 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 you know, an illegal marketplace here. And they actually didn't react, right? They ignored that. And in some cases, actually, um, so one case they talked about in this trial was um, the, the original Mirai botnet was hosted on these servers or the command and control servers were. Um, and it was this huge attack that I actually wrote about for Heiser when, you know, this this guy tried to uh, DDoS some 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 routers, uh, I think in the UK, and actually failed and by accident <laughs> DDoSed a massive number of telecom routers and a lot of lot of personal uh, home internet connections in Germany by tele- from the telecom went down uh, because, you know, this TR69 uh, uh, protocol hack, basically, this DDoS attack, um, backfired and took all these down. And that was a huge thing. Now, um, when this all happened, uh, there were uh, anti-spam services who were black-holing these uh, server, uh, command and control server um, IPs. And they were basically taking control functionality away from the guy controlling the botnet. And um, the cyberbunker guys actually wrote him and tried to upsell him on like a premium service. How better to ev- you know to evade this kind of um, like black holing of his servers? So there's a case there that they kind of knew that there was something going on, and this is why they could prove you know criminal organization because it is an organization and they could prove that these guys kind of knew that there was illegal stuff going on there was so on their website saying that you know you can host anything here we don't care and the only two things you can't host is child pornography and terrorism stuff basically saying all other illegal stuff we will take their service was more expensive than comparable other th- services. So, you know, the prosecution argued these guys were advertising towards criminals. They wanted criminals um, as their customers. And they could kind of prove that. Now, the interesting part about aiding and abetting is that the burden of proof for that is a lot higher. There's some kind of like a double, I don't know, it's, like, it's called like something like a double intention check or something. It's basically... Um, not only do you does the the prosecution has to prove that not only these guys knew that something illegal was going on but they have to actually actively um work with that right so you have to kind of so basically if you um the way i understand as 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 somebody who's not a lawyer how this works is um let's say um somebody's robbing a bank Right, there's people robbing a bank, and um, and and you're a guy. Did uh, you do IT, you know, for the for the bank robbers, right? And you, uh, you know, let's go GTA. <laughs> you know, you hack there. Uh, you like you DDoS the server as a server of a surveillance company that runs like the cloud. You know, 
service for the cameras in the bank. I'm just making all this up, right? Um, if they want to prove that you aided and aided and abetted the bank robbers, um, it's not enough to prove that you hacked those uh, those servers and that you knew that the bank robbers, you know, were gonna be helped by this because, you know, the uh, you know that was the company that was running the cameras in the bank. They also have to prove that you actually did this to aid the bank robbers. Right, so they have to. There has to be some communication between the bank robbers and you, uh, the hacker, going. You know, uh, we're going to rob the bank at 9 a.m. on Sunday. Oh, Sunday, so on Monday, whatever. Um, you know, shut the cameras off at that time. And you go, yes, I will do that. And then you hack the service at that time, and you can kind of prove. Well, he was kind of, you know, he was in league with them. Um, and what the court basically said is that, you know, having these abuse emails and not reacting to it or like trying to upsell this guy on, you, they could have upsailed him on a hunch that he was running the Mirai botnet, right? The prosecution wasn't able to prove actually, you know, the guy saying, hey, I'm, I'm a customer of yours. I'm running this fucking botnet and uh, can, can you do something for me, right? It wasn't that clear cut. Uh, and it's 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 it, the burden of proof for that is is much higher. Now, since I wasn't there for the whole court proceedings, and I also I haven't read the I think the the the, the judgment isn't out in text yet. Um, so um, I'll, I'll I'll do some more research into this, and I actually will come back if if I find anything interesting, and and give you an update on this. But like, what I find interesting is that they they. They set out, you know, with with all the data they had from the from the unencrypted email servers and everything, like from from the data center, right? I mean, the the some of the stuff on the servers was encrypted, but a lot of it wasn't. I actually talked to the head prosecutor, like basically the DA, and um, he uh, said he was actually surprised how how much there wasn't unencrypted, right? That, but like they had all of this data and they knew going in and they aimed for aiding and abetting. It's surprising to me that they couldn't prove that. Um, but it, I think it has something to do with the fact that these guys, you know, if you're a customer of a hosting company like that and you call, you know, you, you, you talk to them in email, you, you're using like, you know, broad language, you know, like the, like the, they, they could never nail down this, this, this penguin guy, you know, with his fucking burner phones, even though they had them all bugged, because the guy would always talk about like his his put like he was like allegedly importing like I don't know I mean I think they were flying cocaine to Spain and then or getting over by boat or whatever and then getting it from uh, Spain to Amsterdam right and that's how he allegedly knows this this main defendant because uh, you know he used to do computers for him back back in the day in Amsterdam whatever um but he would always, this mobster would always say like oh my tomato um harvest is coming in on like in 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 the harbor in the morning at like 9 a.m right so you wouldn't say like you wouldn't be on the phone like hey dude the cocaine's coming in tomorrow right he would talk about this fucking tomato harvest so they could never actually prove anything from the phone calls because the guy was always you know, on a obtuse about everything. And I think the same problem applies here because nobody of the fucking clients from this bulletproof hosting company would go like, 
you know, hey, uh, I really want to run this darknet marketplace, right? Can I rent service from you, right? And when they have a technical issue, you know, my database is down, whatever, they won't go, hey, the database for my for my for my illegal darknet server with like all the drug deals is down, and I'm losing money here. Right, these guys don't do that, so that was apparently not enough. I don't, you know, so they probably they just didn't have enough on 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 the email server, and and they couldn't prove this. Um, which is which is um, which is interesting. That's that's very interesting to me, and uh, it's 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 really bad for the prosecution, I guess, and that's I think that's why they like appealed, right? Because I mean. To just prove what they proved, the criminal organization, like they wouldn't have to have spent like, you know, a year with all these court dates, right? Dragging everybody there like twice a week and doing all this shit, like to prove all these different crimes just to do that. Like that would have probably been much easier. So I think that's why they um why they're why they're appealing. Also, this was a um, an interesting setup. This was like the uh, Große Jugendkammer. So it's like actually the youth court because one of the defendants at the time of the crime was still the juvenile defendant. Um, and I think they didn't want to trial that guy separately. So if they lump him in, this actually had to be a juvenile court. At least partly. They had a diff- like they had the main judge, but they also had... Um, so in, in they had a youth in German courts they in, in in youth courts they have like these youth officers right so they so the 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 judge you know the basically the law apply like if you're juvenile so if you um, um, between so he wasn't actually a juvenile in under eighteen he was between eighteen and twenty one I think that that area is but like whatever like if you have a juvenile person. The, the laws apply the same, of course, right? <laughs> I mean, if you kill somebody and you're like 18 or 17, it doesn't matter, you kill somebody. But they're, they're like provisions in the law. So you have like the special law officials who are like, I mean, the, the judge hands down the sentence, but they take care that the judge understands all these specific, specific you know, little details about like, you know, having a juvenile offender. There's things about if you're there at the press, Right, so usually you can take photos of uh, the defendants, but you have to, you know, on my blog there's a photo of the main defendant, but you know you have to uh, uh, censor them. Um, but like you can't even take photos of the juvenile defendant defendants at all, right? And there's all these special rules and all this kind of stuff. Um, also, we have um, in the German oh god, I don't know what that is. Um, in the German court system, we have something called Schaffen. We don't have. Uh, ju- ju- juries right um we we don't have jury courts we in germany the the judge decides everything um but uh yeah it's called a ju- well jury woman that's wrong like it's lay assessor maybe lay judge um so they're you know they're like a jury in in the way that they're just normal citizens my mother actually did it for a while at a, at a juvenile court actually um so so they get you get picked it's like a civic duty you get picked you have to go there uh for a certain amount of cases um and um some people actually like to do it and do i think you can you can volunteer um 
But um, so you basically you, you assist the judge, and the judge has the final call. But before the verdict, they actually the judge gets together with with all the lay judges. Um, usually there are two, I think. Um, def- dep- depends on the proceedings and how many defendants. I think in this case there were four, and there was a special special one for the juvenile court. Um, but you know they get like they get together, and their rule is it's kind of like a jury light, right? They're supposed to um, uh, put in an opinion as a lay person would, you know, as just as a civic duty right as as somebody just from from society um and so they influence the judge and they have certain ways of you know certain duties and whatever the judge has the final uh call however um but you know it's a it's a discussion there and usually they um are very much like a jury uh well not not like a jury yeah in a jury in the u.s would say if somebody's guilty or not right so in germany the the judge will say if they're guilty or not but like the discussion is usually not about are they guilty or not as far as i understand it i've never uh, never been in one of these uh deliberations of course because you know never been in this position i'm always in the courtroom as the press um but um it's it's more about like the the uh, the amount of time they go to jail and stuff like that, um, you know that 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 the discussion happens. Um, yeah. So what I think, um, what the prosecution did here, why they went and um, and appealed, maybe because I don't know if they get actually like a, a juvenile court the next time. Maybe we'll just take the juvenile defender out of this. I don't know if you can do that. But I think they appealed because they spent so much time trying to prove um, aiding and abetting, and that didn't happen. And they, they want to do that. They now want to do that. I think this will go now to the uh, highest court. Uh, the, I think this will actually be uh, Bundesgerichtshof possibly so um um the highest um criminal court but because the uh defender has said they're gonna go to if 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 they lose again they actually will go to the constitutional court and i think um in germany of course the constitutional court decides if they take a case right and in most in, in many criminal cases, if you have a murder case, usually they wouldn't end up in, in the constitutional court. But because this is such a legal precedent and it, uh, you know, it, it um, involves pretty much any hosting provider of any telecommunications, any kind of thing in Germany, and also the privacy and civil rights of every citizen pretty much, I think they would actually have a chance. I think actually the constitutional court would look at this. Um, of course, the uh, you know the next higher ins- you know higher court here, the next thing this will go to, it will be another case. They will actually retry this, um, and it will all happen again. Um, the constitutional court will be different. The constitutional court takes a verdict usually from another court or like a com- legal complaint from some from a, um, a, a layperson, uh, but they will not like they will not have a trial, right? They they're just it's like a Supreme Court in the U.S. They look at the, the the body of the law and they look at the Constitution and they'll deliberate and then write a huge huge verdict and then they just decide. Um, 
but so but before that happens if it happens we'll have another court case here and uh um i i the defense seems to be um seems to think they could get the defendants off i don't you know obviously i'm not a lawyer um (laughs) and i'm not a judge (laughs) obviously um and i don't even know much about legal stuff except from what i've written about and stuff like that but you know i've certainly never studied it in university the only thing i ever did i was uh, i was always eating with the law students uh, because they had the best cafeteria at the university so i would actually always walk um i mean i say walk across town but it's bon it's tiny i would just walk to the it was called the juridicum the, the law students had their own like building um and next to that was a cafeteria and that was actually the best one um of the whole uni so we would never go to the main cafeteria me and some friends from history and politics we'd always or or english we'd always walk over and go to the juridicum and eat and i actually talked to a lot of law students back in the day just over lunch (laughs) but that's that's pretty much you know everything i know i know a little bit from politics and, and history about law but that's pretty much it but i think they'll be hard pressed to get them off i think the um I think the 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 proof for the criminal organization is 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 there, right? I mean they they didn't even get the angle in with the penguin and the like that that was in the press that was like pictures in the press. They were eating lunch regularly with a known mobster. Um, I mean. And then you have the shit from the servers and and and, and the, the emails and I I think they can prove that. The that I I don't think they'll be getting off is what I'm saying. Um, maybe they'll they'll get a reduced sentence a little bit. I don't know. I don't think they they walk free. Um, but the interesting thing here is the aiding and abetting. I really hope that the prosecution won't be able, um, like in at the next higher court to get that like if they get that as well um you know i don't you know i don't care about these guys going to jail a bit longer i think i mean the main guy right um even if you buy his i did this like cyberpunk kind of for civil i'm not even sure if i'm buying that like for civil rights and all that but like even if you're buying that the guy's intelligent He's like a nerd, right? He he ran a data center. He must have known, right? I mean, I've never run a data center, but if I was gonna go, I'm run a I run a bulletproof data center. I mean, how naive? And maybe he was very naive, but like I don't think anybody can be that naive to technically know this, what you're doing there, and then not not knowing that these servers would be used to run, like you know, these kind of marketplaces where drugs are being sold, shit's being sold, right? I mean, you 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 must assume that. Um, it's like it's like Roger Dingledine who runs the Tor, the Tor project. If he would go, like, you know, he'd be at Fostem, he gives talks at Fostem regularly, and he'd be there and saying, like, you know, Tor has never been used for anything illegal. Right? He never says that. He says 
he never he, he doesn't say we know Tor's being run being used for anything illegal because he he can't know that either otherwise Tor wouldn't work correctly but like he goes yes of course the police has a point we assume yes that people are using this for something illegal but it's a tool right it's like you can't you can't outlaw kitchen knives because i mean if you look into the legal history of your country it doesn't matter where you are right if you look at murders and if you look how many murders are being committed with kitchen knives in your country it's got to be the same as in germany it's a massive amount of of murders you know it's usually like blunt trauma like somebody hit somebody over the head with something heavy that's that's the number one um you know like a big big uh strong hard heavy uh thing that's on your like a something you put on your letters or something that you put your your glass on or whatever like i've got this big stone thing that i put you know that's basically where i put my glasses on i mean if you hit somebody over the head with that correctly they're dead like correctly you know the right way or the wrong way depending on how you're looking at it they're dead right and that's, I think, number one. And then number two is kitchen knives. But you can't, like, outlaw kitchen knives because of that. So, you know, that's what Dingledine always says, right? You can't go and, and outlaw Tor because people using it for something illegal. There's journalists using it. There's dissidents using it. There's very important use for Tor. Uh, but he he wouldn't be as naive and as dumb to go, like, nobody has... I, you know, I can't even imagine somebody using Tor for something illegal. And this is kind of like this guy going, like, oh, we didn't know. Like, you might, like, best case, and I don't believe this, but best case, I believe you that you didn't know. But you'd have to assume, right? You'd have to... You can't be surprised. Um, And... I mean, the the guy in his defense, he's basically, um, you know, in his defense statement, you know, and his, his lawyers, you know, he was basically um, saying, you know, I have, he wasn't saying the word, but he was saying, I've provided privilege, right? He was saying, um, even if there's something illegal, like, I can't, like, I can't be made to look, I can't be made to assume it's illegal and look like you know he was basically his i think his lawyer said it's like a it's like a bank um secure vault in a bank right where you you know you you rent that like that's been used in every fucking heist movie there is they put the shit in like a bank vault right in a bank uh you know in a in a secure uh, compartment in a bank right you can't like as a bank you're not responsible for looking into into these things i mean you have to assume that there's illegal shit in there but you can't check like that's not your job and you know privacy um and uh, people's rights and he was basically saying the same thing right but that doesn't jive with basically advertising on your website that you you allow illegal content and you know host anything here except like child porn whatever um that's like a bank saying Hey, our 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 secure uh, compartments are really uh, are really good if you want to hide drugs in there. Like we won't check. <laughs> um, you know that's. I mean that wouldn't be illegal, but it certainly doesn't help your defense that you know you're you know 
he's because he was basically saying we're like a bank in that re respect but then the prosecution said well you're not really because you, you advertised to criminals and banks don't do that um although you know banks launder a lot of money uh illegal illegally a lot of the time um and they kind of know that and they the big of big part of their maybe i'm destroying my own argument here <laughs> i don't i don't know um Astral C says, you saw in the UK you need to be over 18 to buy a kitchen knife. No, I didn't, and that's dumb. I mean, that's it. That's ridiculous. I mean, we have ridiculous shit like this as, as well. My, um, um, my brother-in-law is a cook, right? And they're like, for example, you're not allowed in German public transport to have a knife, which is ridiculous because, I mean... You know, let's say I, I have a pocket knife, right? I carry this pocket knife. I wouldn't be able, allow, allowed to carry this in, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's just a normal hunting little like foldable pocket knife, right? Um, and uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be allowed to carry this, I think, in, in, in public transport. But how would they know, right? They're not allowed to check me. Like even the police can't just go and go, oh, let, uh, open your, you know, let, let us check your pockets, whatever. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, on what grounds? <laughs> oh, you look suspicious. Yeah, right. Okay, let me just call my lawyer. Um, you know, that, it is just ridiculous. Uh, but like, uh, you know, so so uh, he, my my brother-in-law was actually once checked for, because he had a big box with knives, knives in it. And they were like, why do you have these knives? It's like, I'm a cook, right? Actually, he was transporting them from his workplace to get sharpened. Um, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, these laws are dumb. Like, I'm not saying these laws don't exist, but, like, they're dumb, right? So uh, maybe that was a bad example. But what I, let's let's say hammers. Right? You can kill somebody. You can kill, actually, you can kill somebody easy, more easily with a hammer. Like one of these little normal little hammers that you just put nails in the wall, right? It's easier to kill somebody with that than with a knife. With a knife, you'd actually like if I if I just stick a kitchen knife into somebody just randomly, they're not dead. It hurts a lot; they're bleeding. But like sticking a kitchen knife into somebody's heart is actually quite. Or I mean, you could cut their throat, I guess. But I mean, also that if you don't do that right, you have to hit their jugular. I mean, it's not it's not that easy. With a hammer, you just hit them on the head. Like, and if they're not dead, you hit them again, and you hit them again. Like, even with a small hammer, you just, like, because the point of impact is relatively small, you can just hammer their head, like, their, 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 their skull in. Like, it's probably really easy. Uh, you know, so let's outlaw hammers. Like, let's outlaw anything that looks like a stone, because I could hit somebody over the head with that. It's like, it's ridiculous, right? And so, so that's what they were saying, that, like, you know, this tour... That was my argument. It's, it's it's like a tool, right? And the same argument goes for a hosting company, right? You can't, you can't. That 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 is a good argument. You can't have somebody, you can't have these guys legally required to check just because someone could do something illegal. It's, but I think it's a it's a common misconception. Um, it's a very common misconception about about laws generally. Um, I had this a lot. Um, so with the with the immunity passes, right? We talked about I have the yellow, um, uh, you know, immunity passport thing, right? So um, if you post a picture of that, right, on on Twitter, of like my vaccinations, 
right? People go, don't do that. Um, people could fake the passport, right? They could they could use that to fake their own passport. And uh, some people actually have I've done this, and people actually tried to claim that was illegal posting a picture, which is completely idiotic. Um, and also the thing is like people could use that to make a fake passport is, is idiotic because yes, they can. That's right, right? And there's also the argument that like these are really easily faked. Uh, they probably are. But like what people don't understand, like legally and also, I mean, the law is like this because it makes sense. What protects you or the, the society from faking documents like this is not that they're hard to fake. It's that if you do that, you go to jail. And, you know, I, I talked about they changed the law for this in Germany. You go to jail for two years now if, if you actually fake. So it's not like, 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 you know, you don't need to protect society from not posting pictures of this because it's, I mean, this to fake this is, is, is trivial. You can download the fucking, there's like, there's, you can you can buy like the empty uh, passports. Just You can just buy them because they're not government documents. You can just buy them. And then there's just a little sticker from the vaccine and there's a date that, that's entered by hand. And there's and the other thing is just the signature. I mean, if if you look at the the show notes um, episode, what was this um, actually show what they look like? Right, we have uh, there's several episodes about immunity passports. Um, episode seventy four. I, I show what they look like, you know, and with my first vaccination and like how easy that is to fake. Um, but that's not what protects you. Or, or anybody, but what but, but, but protects uh, these from being faked is that you go to jail if you do. Um, I had the same thing when you um, when I wrote my first editorial for CT. So CT has this thing, you know, has an editorial and, and you know, any editor who wants to and has a good good idea can write an editorial. And if you do, it's like it's like typed on a page and they have a very interesting style. Uh, that looks very different from the rest of the magazine. I don't know if it's still the same way, but it's like you you sign it, right? And uh, when I did this, there was all like this CT editors. So so I, I did my first editorial and they needed like a signature, right? And did a signature to put on there. They're like, that's your real signature. You can't use that. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, yeah, but like somebody could fake a document with that. And I'm like, yeah, of course they could. Right? And your signature is invariably out there, right? If you if you sign a contract and you scan that and send that to somebody, or you just send them the contract, they have your signature. Signatures are really easy to fake, right? That's not the like then like oh somebody will just buy washing machines and send them to your place, and I will go yeah of course right, but like they'll have to prove, that, you know when when it comes to a legal thing where I go like I never ordered this washing machine. The guy who sold it will have to prove that it was actually me and that 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 was my actual signature, right? And if I go, well, it looks exactly like the one from CT that anybody has access to. Like they can't fucking prove that. Like people don't understand how the law works. Sometimes that like it's not about, um, it's not about your signature being being that's like security by obscurity, right? It's not about your signature never being out there and so it can't be faked. It's about um, doing that. Faking that is actually illegal, and you will go to jail. You, they, they take that very seriously, right? Um, 
So the you know I recently talked about the Drachenlord and 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 the one guy who you know that YouTuber that gets trolled a lot and that one troll who uh, actually kept order he bought him he bought him like a gaming PC with like um, stolen credit cards or whatever he went to jail because credit card fraud and like buying shit with other people's money and pretending you know somebody else has bought it that like you you, you fucking go to jail for that so. That 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 is that is the thing, but I can't remember where I let off with this. But like, well, I, I you know that's that's the same. That that's the same misunderstanding. You know, that's it's kind of a misunderstanding of the law, and I think this applies to this situation um, as well. In that people don't understand like this tool metaphor correctly, um, and they also. You know, they will argue like some people I've actually seen people argue publicly about this case that, you know, uh, hosting providers should check that stuff on their service is not illegal. And you're like, you don't understand the implications of this. Like if that goes into law, that means they have to spy on everything. Right. And then. But these same people then think like, but not on my stuff because I'm clearly not doing anything illegal. Like, no, you don't understand. They don't have to automatically do this. Uh, it's like, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, the people saying it can't be faked are really not trusting other people. <laughs> COVID crazies. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's a, you know. I actually ran into people. I, I don't want to use digital um certificates like vaccination certificates for the simple reason i think i mentioned this on the show before i just don't want to make it easy right i don't want this process to be easy for me because i will i don't i would never want to get used to the fact that if i want to go so today i went to the hardware store like to go in there i need to prove my vaccination status i think this is absurd and and uh you know, it's COVID 1984. It's fucking George Orwell. And I don't want to get used to fucking George Orwell. Um, so I, I, you know, I want to make it as hard for me as possible. And I want to make it as hard for the other person as well, for that very reason. And, you know, just if they have, if they have to manually check my paper thing, then they can't like put that in database automatically. When they scan a certificate, they can do that on their end. Um, so I don't want to make that easy. But I've run into places now where they're like, uh, we um, uh, we only accept uh, digital certificates, which you're not well. <laughs> originally, the legal understanding was that you're not allowed to do that because you can't. Uh, and the basis for that was that you can't. Um, uh, you you can't ha- have people have to use a phone or a computer. Like people have to be able to. To, to be a German citizen without having a phone or a computer. But now they're saying, well, you can get the digital certificate and then print out a QR code and then take that so you don't have to have a phone. But I actually went through this process for research purposes and you get like this, you get a QR code. So so I, I take my little yellow passport, I go to the drug store in Germany and they go, all right, um, and they check that and check my ID and then they issue me a certificate, right? But that's a QR code that I have to scan into an app and then I get a different QR code and I could print that one out. But the original one I get, I don't can't use for just proving that for whatever reason. 
Um, and I don't understand why that is. Actually, I did a lot of research into that. I couldn't figure it out because, hey, it's open source, right? The whole thing is open source. Yeah, except the fucking uh, algorithm that, you know, the whole project. I mean, I talked about the digital certificates on the show, right? Um, on that episode. I mean, no, that was actually not that episode. Let me just check. This was episode, not not to mislead you. Um, was it? Uh, pass. Um, how the immunity passports? Uh, boop, boop, boop. Isn't that what? What? Where did I do that? Wait, and uh, now I have to check every episode manually because I can't. I think it was on the how the German immunity passport was hacked, episode seventy nine. But anyway, I talk about the certificates, whatever, and um, that explains why they're not secure because um, you can make a fake drugstore. And then you can sign your own, and they can't revoke those once they have no mechanism to revoke them. So they're actually not secure. Um, and also, that part of the system isn't open source. So fuck up. Um, is it device locked? No, no, no. It's it's not. Like you get a, you can use all kinds of apps as well. Uh, it just needs to use that one, you know, whatever Uberk or whatever the company with IBM, you know the. The, the the Holocaust organizers, <laughs> they are also organizing the COVID. It, it, it cracks me up. Um, you know the digital certificates. Well, like um, it's it, it's not, but it's like you need that. You 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 need something to scan that one. You get this one QR code. You need to scan that in, and then you get another QR code. So the argument is now that you can just use the QR code because that's you don't need a phone for that. But I think you need a phone. I don't know. But anyway, um, so there's people claim that they only accept those because they're, they're not as easily faked because that's what a lot of my co- surprise, a lot of my colleagues in the media who have no fucking clue what they're talking about, uh, you know, reported for months or even they're still saying that, which is bullshit because the Cars Computer Club proved or like it wasn't the Cars Computer Club it was some independent security researchers. I talked about that on that episode, uh, but, you know, the Cars Computer Club um publicized it um like on day one they proved how to hack it and not only that but like all those like basically what you do is you make a fake uh, uh, uh drugstore and then from the german drugstore association you get your fucking uh you know you you get a certificate that you can use to sign these certificates and they can never revoke that so you, you sign like 5,000 fake vaccination certificates and they can never revoke these. But I think they had, somebody did one for for Adolf Hitler and that's still around like because they can't revoke it. So Adolf Hitler is still vaccinated and can go can go into the hardware store. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, so I think um, that's just, you know, people don't trust people and um, and people generally don't understand the law so what this means is um that we have a verdict in this case i think is sensible i I, personally i I, I think this is a sensible verdict um but of course it's not it's not legally binding and we will get a whole different court case and of course i'll keep you up to date once that starts and or even before it starts when we know when it'll start what will happen what the setup is where it's going to be um and then i'm gonna i'm gonna follow that as well 
and then you know probably a year two years from now we'll we'll have a verdict another verdict and um well then we'll have to see if that verdict will stand or if it i think uh i think that verdict will be if i understand this correctly because i think that will then be the highest court that verdict will be legally binding and but if they then complain if the defense then goes to the constitutional court um i think the way it works is you have a legally binding um uh verdict and then you appeal to the constitutional court and then they decide and then they can overturn that verdict but until then it's legally binding um as as is still about the i mean i i talked about this on the on on that episode with the certificates i mean is the validation uh business done with the government database no no it's a, it's an algorithm basically he says because qr is just text most time well basically it's a, it's a it's a pu- public private crypto um system right it's just the qr code is just a, a, a just a fingerprint of a certificate um so but what i don't understand is what you get from the drugstore and i haven't been able actually did some research i haven't been able to figure that out and i haven't found anybody who's written about this uh, to a technical level where that was understandable so if anybody finds anything like this please let me know contact me go to private citizen or press contact link uh let me know if you have some um documentation on this um so basically i think what happens is or what i know happens is you go to a drugstore you show them your your yellow vaccination passport right and what they code into there is and then they make a certificate for each each vaccination separately and what they code into there is when you were vaccinated what the vaccine was what the vaccination was against and possibly i don't think they code in who vaccinated you but like they just check that there's a, this is signature or whatever and they go like okay i was vaccinated and that that information gets signed right and what i assume is that you get that the qr code you get at the drugstore includes that information encoded you know somehow like i don't know rot 13 or whatever um includes that that information and the um that information as a signed as a blob with a reference to the signing certificate that signed it you know from 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 the from the drugstore um you know as as in the public part of the public private key and they they obviously they keep the private key uh i don't know why that that has to be like kind of separate and then i i don't know your your phone like if you put that in an app it must do something it creates a different qr qr code i mean i can look at the two qr codes and they're different and you can't scan the one you get from the drugstore when you check it 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 then creates a QR code that is checkable. 
right? That says, okay, this is still valid. That is that is the important part. Um, but I'll, I'll have to, I don't know, I have to probably have to do some more research, but I've, I've got too much work to do right now um, to do that. But maybe we can, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling here that we have to do another episode on that and, and figure, figure that out. Um, but anyway, so uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There, there, there's some, there's, um, um, so we had a verdict to wrap this up. We had a verdict, um, but the, uh, and, and the decision was as I would expect it. It was sane, um, but the big question is still up into, in the air because it's not legally binding. And the question is, can they get these guys for aiding and abetting, which would create a problem for the provider privilege? Right, and then we'd have to. I don't know what happens if 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 that actually if we have a verdict where where the that calls the provider privilege in question. We'd probably have to have um, a change of the law. I would think if the government wants to prevent this, that you know, uh, providers actually have to check. Um, I guess because the provider privilege is not written in law, right? It's a, it's um, it's an understanding of the law. It's like an understanding of the body of the law, and of all the verdicts up to this point, um, and that's then lawyers interpret that and judges interpret that as you know, the provider has this privilege. Um, so it's like between the lines is how a lot of like laws, especially in Germany, uh, in a, in a Roman inspired um you know civil law kind of situation um uh, how, how that works um the the problem is like if that gets called into question right then then you'd actually have the government would have to put that into law right that they, they have to say okay providers are actually not they, they cannot be uh held responsible under criminal law i don't just don't know if they want to do that um the other option would of course be if then people appealed to the constitutional court and the constitutional court would 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 um either like overturn the verdict or i think they could probably also as you understand i'm not a lawyer but like they could could let that verdict stand and still just like have a verdict of their own um where they go okay this case was as as decided as it was and these guys have to go to jail for that time because of this decision but we are of the opinion that this does not mean that providers have to check blah blah blah, blah right uh, um that would that would be the other option anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna keep you up to date on this because it's very interesting um it's um yeah and you know, once again, this is a very German thing. Like it's a legally, you know, German thing. I mean, I talked about the Cyberbunker case originally because of this, but also because it's a very, just a very interesting case. And it was like basically a, the, that was like a true crime podcast. That one episode, um, I really like talking about that. But um, uh, of course, you always have to understand that when something like this happens, it gives people ideas, right? So if, if if the if the prosecution in Germany, if the state in Germany goes, hey, let's prosecute these providers, um, you could you can think that you know people in the UK or whatever or in France get the same idea. I don't think this 
just reaches as far as the US because I think the legal situation there would be extremely different. I think it was would already be different in the UK. Um, but I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think in, in the US, I, I wouldn't be... The, this kind of safe harbor is more protected over there. But then on the other hand, it's really not that helpful I, I, to protecting privacy rights because even though it is generally accepted uh, that providers can't be held responsible so they don't have to spy you know in the US you have different laws like the Patriot Act and whatever so the government <laughs> spies directly anyway and they can send like you know national uh, what's that national uh, uh, what's that letter you know basically the gag order um, national intelligence letter whatever it is, national security letter, where they're basically, you know, they'll have to comply with the government and install, you know, spying hardware or like even have people looking in, in into people's traffic and then they just, like the company can't tell anybody. Um, so, yeah. But like, I, I expect that this is going to have legal um, repercussions or, you know, political repercussions maybe also throughout europe um it's gonna be interesting um yeah so i'm gonna keep my eye on this and and but um that's that's it for now um let's get into the feedback section and for that for today i have compiled some feedback on episode 100 where I did a special episode um, telling you a little bit about myself. And I was a little bit anxious about that. I didn't know if that was going to be taken as like a huge ego trip, or whatever. Um, I explained why I did it, um, but it seems to have been, um, yeah, but you know, you explain it and you, you, you never know if that's going to work, if people still understand. Um, but it seems to have been very well received. Got some a lot of positive feedback, more than I get, a lot more than I get for for normal episodes generally. So um, and some some very nice feedback, um, some very also um, feedback that made me happy. I did that episode, especially this first email I received uh, from Haley. Um, I wanna I wanna highlight um, because this kind of warmed my heart. Haley says, "Love the show." Just wanted to say I could really relate when you said you were getting in fights in primary school and your mom scared you so much you were afraid to stand up for yourself later in school. My primary school said if I got in one more fight, I would be expelled. My mom told me that if that happened, they would send me to a boarding school and I would only see my family and friends on holidays. After that, I was too scared, um, I was too scared to stand up for myself for fear of the repercussions. I wound up getting bullied a lot in secondary school because of this. Felt good knowing someone else knows what this is like. And first of all, thanks, Haley, for, you know, telling me that about yourself and, you know, that that this the show kind of helped you. But also, uh, it's just kind of the same thing to me because I always thought this, this was like a singular experience that I had that was very special about me. Um, but in hindsight, of course, that is dumb um, because, you know, 
any experience you have probably another human being had before you probably hundreds um, and it seems I wasn't the only one it seems Haley had a very similar experience um, you know kind of saying that as if that was a good thing um, but I hope you know as, as you can probably hopefully could tell by that episode um, this experience in school made me what I am and I don't want to miss that because you know a lot of what I'm doing here is directly because of that um, you know I do I do podcasts because these days I'm very um, confident uh, and you know that that only happened because I was bullied in school and I probably would have stopped doing Linux Outlaws back in the day uh, without that experience because you know doing a podcast in the Linux community you get some very 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 strong feedback sometimes and um, you know if I was um more faint of heart um i would have probably taken that to heart and, and and stopped doing the show and i didn't because of my experience in school so i hope that Haley uh had a you know i hope you had something similar that you, you know you took something away from that as well and it just made you the person you are now and so you know i'm usually not that positive but i, I really believe this in this way um even negative experiences become something positive because they become part of you and um you know i i don't i wouldn't look back at my school time saying that was a positive experience but you know it would it in the end it all turned turned out for the better and i hope the same thing happened with Haley. um on the forum yevgeny goodsnetsov aka necros on the forum said um the following thing about episode 100 uh, i wholeheartedly agree with the go travel advice I didn't have a chance to live abroad for a year in my high school days. I only got a month in Sweden, really close geographically, but far enough culturally those days. So uh, Evgeny is from, from Russia. And I envy you, but I dread the idea that I could not have gone abroad at all like many of my peers. Lack of the perspective and experience I received there would have, would have made me a much lesser person. That's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I... um speaking you know speaking to you uh i think that was one of the uh, one of the reasons the cold war was so horrible as it was especially for people um in in soviet countries because they could only go visit soviet countries because unsurprisingly um you know the communists or the socialists or whatever you want to call them um were um were afraid of people they were afraid of exactly of this effect. They didn't want people to go to the West and see that, you know, there's a different culture there and maybe it's better, right? And that's not to say, like, stay there, but, like, take that back, you know, take some aspects of that back and go, look, other countries do other things differently. Maybe we should change a bit. And and that's what, you know, my time in Australia gave me. They gave me very much, you know, an understanding a little bit of what things are like in Australia, but... It, it puts perspective on your own country and you suddenly see things in your own country that are maybe not the best, you know, and or that could change. And and that's what they didn't want back then. So that, that shows you um, in a free society, we have this freedom to go somewhere and we should. Um, it doesn't have to be here. I mean, I, I mean, with this go travel, you know, do it now. Well, it's kind of hard right now, which is why I fucking hate all of these restrictions and all this but you know it, it there's no um 
I mean, the internet has opened our ability to talk to people from other countries, which I very much also embrace and I think is really good. Um, but to going somewhere and experiencing different countries for yourself, there's really no substitute for that. And if people don't do that, they become insular and they become really dumb. Um, and I, um, um, I can, you can like, if I meet people in in my in my personal life, right, and at parties or whatever, you you meet people, and they invariably in if I talk to them, they fall into two categories: there are those people who who have traveled extensively, and those who don't, those who've stayed in Germany. And 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 I always get along better with the with the first kind with the people who traveled. I think they're more intelligent. I think they 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 um, have a better view of what the world is like. Um, they're not as 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 fixed on them and theirs and their little sphere of influence, right? Um, they have a more healthy understanding of what the world's like. Um, they're usually less xenophobic. Um, you know, that doesn't go for everybody, but I, I think generally, yeah, traveling is good. Anyway, Yevgeny continues. Oh, and don't expect many invocation of Stalin Stalinism in the same vein as you invoke the Third Reich the Third Reich from us Russians. In Russia, it is actually illegal and punishable by jail time to equate the Soviet to equate Soviet Russia and Nazi Germany. And if something you can you say it can be taken as an insult to our grandfathers who fought the Great War, saying things like they fought for a questionable cause or they the horrible things in that war is certainly viewed as the said insult in courts. It's up to five years behind bars. Go figure. I think this is really sad, actually. Um, I mean, in Germany, there was very famously the uh, Historikerstreit, the... Um, uh, uh, the argument of the historians where uh, basically German historians uh, concerned with German modern German history uh, fell into two camps uh, one camp said there's nothing comparable to what the Nazis did and the other camp said well you know if you look at what Stalin did in, in Soviet Russia there is actually it's not the same obviously but it is comparable in in, in certain um Respects actually fall into the second category. I think yes, it is is, is comparable. Um, it's not only uh, Stalin and the Nazis. I mean, there's Pol Pot, there's other genocides, but like you know, um, especially Stalin and the Nazis. You know, millions millions of people died uh, under both regimes for different reasons and and differently. But you know, there were concentration camps under both regimes. There were both totalitarian. Um, regimes, you know, one one was a fascist regime, the other one was a, a socialist regime. Um, yeah, there are there are inher inherently comparable. I would say, I would you know, I, I, and a country who who outlaws this actually, that's really unhealthy. Um, you know, and the second part of the of the law is just even worse. Just just imagine, like from a from a Russian perspective, right? Just imagine it would be illegal in Germany to say that what we fought for in World War Two was questionable. Well, it's actually illegal to do the, the other way around. It's just, it's illegal. Well, it's not illegal to deny that. It's illegal to deny that you know the Nazis killed uh, millions of Jews, uh, which uh, you know, I mean. 
I, I don't understand why that's illegal, generally, really, because it's just common sense. Anybody who, who denies that is a fucking idiot. But, um, yeah. Um, but, like, that's this really unhealthy. I mean, that's like, I mean, Stalin did horrible things, right? And even the Soviet Union got to, you know, under Brezhnev and, you know, uh, you know, Perestroika and, and all of that. They, you know, Gorbachev, uh, you know, they got to a point where they um, uh, started to admit that, right? Not not admit it outright, but started a general understanding in the population that, you know, uh, starving millions of Ukrainians because Moscow needed fucking grain and you fucked up the way you, you distributed grain because of your fucked up social policies uh, was, was not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 re- it's regrettable. Actually, um, I have a recommendation. Um, I know lots of people who have seen this. I'm very late to the party. I just didn't get around to it. Um, last week, I actually uh, bought uh, on Amazon. I bought Chernobyl, the miniseries, HBO miniseries, um, which is superb. Um, I'm somewhat of an uh, an amateur historian when it comes to Chernobyl. It's been a, a very interest uh, interest of mine for years. Uh, I've read a lot about it, so I, I know I know a lot about it, and that miniseries is amazing. Um, not only uh, because uh, it stars Stellan Skarsgård, who's one of my favorite actors, uh, but it also um, the other actor who I really like, and now I've, is it Jared Jared Harris, the guy who played um, <sighs> people will be shouting at me. Um, God, what's wrong with my brain? I need one of right. The guy in the expanse, the belter guy, fucking, what's his face? Is it Jared Harris? Oh, God. Yes, it's Jared Harris. Who did he play in the expanse? Why am I so dumb? Uh, Anderson Dawes. He's, he's an amazing actor. I, I never really... He wasn't on my radar before he was Dawes in The Expanse. I've probably seen him in other things and didn't recognize him later. Um, wow, he's, he played Ulysses S. Grant in the Lincoln thing from Spielberg. Hmm. Um, he's amazing. Uh, him and Stan and Skarsgård, they do an amazing job. But the whole series is really well done. Um, it's, attention to detail is, is minute. There's like a YouTube videos where like the the scene where like the um uh, the um you know when they have to the, the liquidators they have to like shovel the graphite off the fucking roof with the 15000 röntgen um and there's like there's video of that right actual video uh you know footage from back then and they, they, they you, you watch them side by side the, the costumes are just spot on the way they filmed it is spot. it's it's so good the whole thing with the german robot it's it's so good um but um they have a really good spin on that whole story i mean it's, it's depressing as fuck right if you if you faint of fart don't watch that like it's depressing as fuck i just can stand it because i know the story because i've been interested in it for ages but um it's um it's it's, it's well done it's good acting and the way the spin they have is like they um, I mean, there, there's this theory that Chernobyl uh, was one of the things that caused the Soviet Union to fall because, you know, they fucking lied about everything, <laughs> you know. And um, 
just the way they continuously talk about how they lied about that kind of thing and that's that's actually one of the um um so i read i read when we get back to sars-cov-2 right after the pandemic I, I read this thing on uh telepolis the the other day you know heiser blog kind of thing a very interesting and well written um dissection of like um the 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 german response to the pandemic uh compa compared to like the german democratic republic back in the day right the the socialist germany and um there are a lot of stuff um we said was bad about socialist east germany back then um actually kind of happened now in west germany with the pandemic which some of that i agree but this guy is obviously like a communist inspired kind of dude and his takeaway in the end is that if we were just communist now um you know the, the basically um yeah, capitalism is the problem and everything would be better but like if you watch I, the same week i read this i watched like chernobyl and it's like you understand like, how they dealt with that disaster if you imagine the soviet union was still there today and they they dealt with the virus you know they would just deny it exists like they're on the the, the fucking reactor explodes and the main guy that the runs the power plant like in the morning after they're all gathering and you can see like the f half like one of the reactor blocks is like gone there's like there's the, the, it's exploded it's all over the place he goes like nah the reactor didn't explode that was like a hydrogen tank and everybody goes like ah so what's the <laughs> what's the radiation yeah 3.6 röntgen because that the dosim dosimeters they had back then uh, where they had at the plant um went to 3.6 röntgen and then they that was the maximum reading <laughs> and then they get the expensive one out of the safe and then turn it on and it shortens immediately shortens out they're like oh it's broke nah it wasn't broke mate it's just too much radiation <laughs> ah, and there's the, there's the unbelievable scene where this one guy where he goes okay you send one of your soldiers in this lead truck but tell him uh tell him you know the, the the lead plating will probably not help enough and you know they're basically saying he might die or he's probably gonna get really sick and then the the general goes i'll do it myself he climbs into the fucking truck and he drives there and then there's this scene where they're all sitting in the tent and then he's, he's back and he's like it's not 3.6 röntgen it's 15,000 <laughs> it's really well done anyway that's a, that's a that's a good study that whole series is a good study for uh, Soviet the Soviet regime and what the problem with it was uh, because it, if it turns out if you just classify everything and the people running your reactor don't know what happens if they push the shutdown button because you classified shit that you didn't like because it was it wasn't putting your regime in a good light then that's how you get reactors to explode um it's a it's a good series uh, i can i can i can completely recommend it anyway let's uh move on with the uh with the feedback where are we that was Yevgeny oh we have got Barry Williams uh, aka Buzzer will also on the forum said firstly I was thinking regarding travel and living abroad in your formative years this is also about episode 100 of course um, how do you think the country you travel to affects the outcome I would expect there to be more similar outcomes than different but for example you're, you're unlikely to pick up Australians colorful language if you spend a year in Mormonville 
or Salt Lake City, Utah, in the U.S. I don't know. I suspect there might be swearing a lot more in Salt Lake City than you'd, you'd expect. Um, just one, I don't know, I've never been there. Just wondering if you are still in touch with any of your fellow students who may have traveled to a different country. Um, not really. I'm not in touch with a lot of people, especially also from Australia from back in the day. And yeah, you're right. I mean, if you go to a different country, you have different experiences. But like, if I should, if I should boil it down, uh, I don't think it matters that much where you go. I think the important part is, if you do something like me, where you're a year abroad, I think the important part is that you go somewhere where you can fully assimilate. Like my thing was, I was good in English already. Um, it took me a few months to adjust to actually speaking English every day uh, and to the Australian brand of English and to all the special ways the society works. But if you can put yourself in the society, like if you can assimilate a little bit, um, that's key because you will it's not so much about the I think I mean I love Australia I love Australians uh, there's a reason I uh, wear a Cobra almost every day um, you know I'm I'm still a very German person but I've also like Australia had a massive influence on me like you know probably the way I deal with shit like the pandemic and stuff like that where I'm just a little more not so afraid as other other people. I think a lot of that I got from from Australia, you know, from from living in an, in a Queensland bungalow and like the fucking uh, typhoon, like fucking hurricane uh, comes along, right? And you're just like, right, all right. If we you know, we're blown away, we're blown away, right? Nothing, nothing we can do now, mate. <laughs> it's just you know, just have a beer. <laughs> I mean, if you get whacked over the head with a shed while you're drunk, you're as dead as if you're sober, so might as well get a beer. Um, you know, it's just uh, that had a big influence. But I, I think generally um, what it does, it if you, you're in another society and you can actually live there, you're not like you don't understand the language or whatever. But even then, you know, I was like in Spain for a month now and I, I took away a lot, or like three weeks. I took away a lot there and I don't fucking speak Spanish. But like you realize how people behave differently. And like, you know, the, the food in the supermarket is different. Like the, the, the fashion is different. You assimilate certain things. You, you learn things. You have experiences. And the more you can, because you speak the language, the better. And what that actually does, it is it gives you, I think, um, it gives you another perspective on your own culture. And that's the important thing, right? The, that you realize, which you can realize intellectually if you read on the, and on the internet, but it's different if you feel it. You realize that other countries, other people, other cultures do things differently, and you on, on, at first you think, "How the what the fuck?" Uh, you know, but you see that it also works, and that gives you like more flexibility in the head, right? And you get more tolerant towards people who do things differently and who live differently, and you know, normal Germans like the neighbors are too loud, and then you live in fucking Portugal for a year, and you're like. What do you mean? It's a party, <laughs> um, right? It's like that, that I feel is, is the important thing. That is like the, the thing you take away. So I think in the end, it doesn't really matter that much where you are. Um, it's, it's more important that you, that you feel this 
people do things differently. I always have to think of like Dave, you know, <laughs> Geekness Radio, Mega Slippers, Dave, uh, who had this thing about German bathrooms uh, when he visited me for the first time. He's like, what the fuck? You have like normal power plugs in your bathroom right next to your sink. Because apparently in the UK, they're deadly afraid of that. You might you might stick your hand and then you die. And they've been in German bathrooms like this for 200 years. And you're like, nah, turns out you don't die. <laughs> turns out you can actually do that and nobody dies in Germany from that. <laughs> um, you know, these, these, these little things. Um, and I embrace those. Uh, I try to as best as I can. I think it's important. Anyway, Barry uh, ends his uh, message with, secondly, pseudomod probe. Man, that takes me back. Uh, that was the song at the end um, it ac- of episode 100. It actually made me emotional just listening to it. Thanks for the memories. Um, yeah, I, I thought it might, people might get a kick, kick out of it. Good old fucking me trying to play a song and it was horrible. And then Dan made a made a good song out of it. Um, and we had so many versions. Maybe we can play some of the other versions. We had listeners. We had like, oh God, accordion versions fucking Spanish guitar, heavy metal versions, 8-bit versions. Just so I had played the banjo version. We had a harmonica version. We had all these different versions. So I came up with most of the original melody. I mean, I botched it, but then made a melody out of it. But it kind of worked. Um, and then, of course, um, at least I, I, did, I did come up with a name. Um, so that's that's something I did. Well, yeah, that was that for the feedback. I um nice that people enjoyed that episode. Um if you have any feedback, uh, go to the show notes, private citizen press. There's feedback links all over. You can go to the forum, forum.fab.industries, but you know show notes also have a link, of course. Um we have some good discussions there. People are really enjoying the forum. As Mike said last time, um, it seems to be coming along really well. So that's that's cool. But you can also, you know, you can send me email. You can use anonymous contact forms if you want to send me some some spicy material, whatever. Um, it's all there. PrivateCitizen.press. to the final part of the show toss a coin to your podcast and and i have i recommend a channel i also can recommend the second uh, series of the witcher on netflix which i've also finished uh that is amazing uh, some really good casting uh in that season i thought uh, especially dykstra oh my god that, that was good casting um but also you know joey Beatty from um from season one uh, is again uh, is Jaskier again, and he uh, he sings. Uh, that's where this toss a coin to you, which comes from, um, and uh, some 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 good performances in that in that season as well. I really, really, really enjoyed that. But what this um, segment really is about is you, the people who support me, because I'm just a poor freelancer who doesn't get you know 
gets knocked out by the vaccine and then, then doesn't get any money from the government uh, or from his employer because I don't have an employer. <laughs> no, I'm actually really happy about that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, sometimes it's tough being a freelancer. And uh, what helps a little bit is, you know, people recognizing that they get value from the show, uh, which we call the value for value model as pioneered by uh, John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry from the No Agenda show. Um which roughly, uh, you know, you're not a listener, you're a producer. Well, if you just listen, you're a listener. That's okay. You can do that for free. You don't have to feel bad. But if you want to become a producer, you can either send me feedback, which could be feedback on episodes. You could also be, uh, look, you're really annoying when you do that thing with your lips. Please stop doing that. Um, I made that up. Do I do a thing with my lips? I say basically a lot, I think, basically. Uh, but uh, I'd say uh, a lot. We can't fix that. I've been trying that for years. It doesn't, doesn't work. But you could also give me ideas for further topics, send me material, all this kind of stuff. I appreciate it. You know, I got some stuff um, over the recent months for some episodes I want to do. And I said I'm going to do them. Please be patient if you send me some stuff. I know it's just backing up and I'm I'm busy as fuck. But thank you. Um, so then you're a producer. You can also um, support the show monetarily. Some people need to do that. Otherwise, it's not worth for me doing it. So I thank all of the people who do that. Um, some of them are uh, patrons on Patreon, which is like a monthly thing, which helps me a lot. So they're kind of my prime support base. Um, link is in the show notes at Press. Or you can, you know, use PayPal. There's a PayPal address in the show notes as well. Producers at fab.industries. You can PayPal money to that. And um, some people did this week, uh, including uh, John Chandler, who uh, wished me a Merry Christmas. And I appreciate that. So Merry Christmas to you too, John. Thank you very much. Um, you know, all of you, you're helping out. You're, you're keeping the show going. Um, and... You're making it worth for me to do it, and that's very important. So thanks. Thanks to Georges, Steve Holes, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, Michael Small, 1I11G, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Rodane the Insane, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, IKN, Vlad, Bennett Piata, Tobias, Kai Sears, Sentman 616, Fadi Mansour, Mode 7, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Rizal, David Potter, Avis, Mika, Mr. Amish, Cam, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, RJ Tracy, Captain Eckhead, Rick Bragg, Robert Forster, Superuser, D, Astral C, No Reply, and aforementioned John Chandler. And we have a special, special, special Christmas shout-out. Um, yes, if you request something, I, I might do it. And we had a request from Zach, um, who wishes his dad, Rodane the Insane, happy holidays. So happy holidays, Rodane. This is from Zach, who uh, supported the show because uh, he said you would get the kick out of that. And yeah, I hope this uh, makes a, a little sparkle uh, on your Christmas tree if you have one I don't have a Christmas tree but uh, the imaginary Christmas tree um, I just I don't bother with that stuff <laughs> too much work to do um, yeah so thanks Zach and you know happy holidays Merry Christmas Rodane 
And um, I have to also thank my Twitch subscribers um, because they also support the show. They also support everything, all the other shit I do on my Twitch channel, which is Foxtrot Alpha Bravo, Alpha with an F, like the NATO alphabet. Um, so uh, thanks to Mike the Dane, Jonathan MH underscore com or dot com, Galtaran, Halifa, Violet Hammingbird, Bacon the Pork, Mode 7 is unavailable. El Terrestris Jim, Indie Gaming X, Redeemer F, Sandman 616, and Stadio Lisa. Thanks to all of you. You're also supporting the show. As is Bindmark at bindmark.co.uk, a British cloud hosting company. They provide the servers where you get these luscious audio files. So thanks to Bindmark. We appreciate you. Uh, you're supporting privacy, free speech, uh, civil rights. It's very important. And that's it. Um, it's going to be another episode this year, probably next week, so after Christmas. So I'm going to take this opportunity to wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Hanukkah, what's that thing from Seinfeld? Uh, wait, what is that called? Shit, I forgot that. Is that the thing Kramer came up with? Uh... Festivus. Is that is that actually from Seinfeld? No, I think it existed before. Yeah, but uh, I think I think I know it from Seinfeld. So uh, happy happy Festivus, whatever whatever you celebrate. Um, yeah, happy holidays, and uh, see you next week. And uh, as usual. Uh, the theme song is Acoustic Roots of the show's Acoustic Roots by Raul Kabzali um, and uh, I'm gonna play us out with a festive tune um, you know because that's appropriate called uh, Deck the Halls jazz version by Ennio Mano so um, happy holidays um, maybe postpone the misbehaving until after Christmas you know um, have a happy time with your family don't fight I know it's uh, in some families it's traditional <laughs> to fight <laughs> over Christmas but you know I don't know if you if you can help it maybe not um, and uh, I'll, I'll see you I'll see you after Christmas um, yeah until then have a good time
Thank you.